everybody and welcome to a new episode of Evie's Korean Drama Podcast Show. My name is Evie, I'm your host, and I am a K-drama obsessive. So this is the show where I waffle on about all of the K-drama that I love. If you'd like to support the show, you can check out my Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Evie Korean Drama Podcast. There you will find extra podcast episodes and updates on what I'm watching at the moment. Also, just before I get started, please be warned that I do swear a little bit on this show when I get excited. And when I'm talking about K-drama, I always get excited. Alright, so I thank you very, very much for listening and let's get on with the K-drama show. So the drama that I am talking about today is called Queen, Love and War, and it's also known by its other random title called Selection, The War Between Women. Um, I definitely knew it as Queen, Love and War, but on, on this drama site I'm looking at right now, it totally says Selection, The War Between Women. So anyway, this drama is a historical, so I would describe it, oh, and it's only 16 episodes, which is quite nice, and it started airing in December 2019 and finished in February 2020, so it's kind of a 2020 drama, really. Um, I would describe it as, like, it's definitely a historical, so it's a saguk, but it is it's not like one of these super, super serious kind of ones. Um, I would describe it more as a fun one. Like it's very rollicking. Um, I, okay. I really, really enjoyed this. Um, I found it just thoroughly fun and thoroughly engaging right to the end. Like I just wanted to know what was going to happen. I was into it. But at the same time, I wouldn't say it's like the highest quality ever. Like I think in terms of budget, um, you can definitely tell that, well, I could tell because I'd come off the back of, I think, some historical dramas that were, you know, very atmospheric and very, very careful about making each shot, you know, look beautiful, like a movie or something. And I don't think this drama had that kind of budget. Um, so it's not as atmospheric as other um, historical dramas that I've watched. Um, but there's just something about it. I don't know. I also don't know that I was like, like really deeply emotionally engaged with the characters. Like, but at the same time, like I really, really liked them and I just had so much fun with this show. Um, and I, I kind of think it's kind of an interesting thing to say. Like I had so much fun with this show where constantly people are getting murdered, you know, constantly people are getting killed in battles and fights and tortured and interrogated and exiled. And, you know, like it has an insane mad plot. Like I don't even know how I'm going to describe the plot to you. Um, but for me, the plot is the reason to watch this drama. Like I think the actors are great. I think the characters are great. I just really like, I just really liked everything about it. And I think as a package, the whole thing is just so fun and charming. 
while still, you know, it delves into all this dark stuff and like, it's kind of one of these dramas where say the female lead goes through all this tragedy, you know, and one thing after another, and she's like crying and you feel really sad for her, but it's not like you are going to be like emotionally barefoot. Is that the right word? Barefoot? Uh, you know what I mean, like emotionally destroyed on the couch watching it where you feel, oh my gosh, this is such a hard drama to watch because I'm just like, it's so sad. It's more like, wow, that's really sad for that character. I can't wait to see what happens next. So it's just such a weird vibe to me. And I just like, I don't know, it's just so much fun. And I think it was so much fun for me to watch. Like the plot just kept me guessing. I had no fucking idea what was going to happen at any point. And I really, really enjoyed the ride of waiting to see where each new twist was going to bring us because I just couldn't guess. And I'm, I don't know, like, I don't think it's super highbrow. And, you know, the plot itself is quite bonkers, but I just enjoyed it. It was just so much fun. Um, And I think it's interesting, you know, I've watched a lot more. Well, Okay, so I guess a really good thing to say about this show, um, the reason that I watched it was actually because of a lovely K-drama friend and very lovely Patreon supporter, Liliana. So she recommended it to me because she knows that I like my historicals um, and she really enjoyed this one. And one thing she said, which I think really hits home to me after watching it, is kind of like this drama doesn't take itself too seriously. And I totally agree with that. I think that's why it works. Um, it is not, you know, super highbrow. It is not like a super serious drama. It is not you know, going to emotionally destroy your soul, but like you're going to have fun and you are going to be invested and you do care. Um, so I think that's so true. Like it just doesn't take itself seriously. And I think that's why it works so well. And you just like, you just go along for the ride because you're having so much fun. Well, that's my opinion anyway. I just really enjoyed myself, but I have to say there's probably a few kind of like personal taste or like right time in my life elements to how I felt about this drama and why I enjoyed it so much. So obviously other people might have a different experience with it. But for me, um, I guess I'll start with the first thing is why I didn't watch it. You know, this drama has sort of been on my radar since it was, you know, cast and coming out. And because it's a historical um, and I really, really love my historicals, I was like, I want to watch that. That looks really interesting. I was also particularly interested in it because it is a female-led historical. Um, and there are a lot less of those, or, you know, just not as many, I guess. Um, a lot of historicals, particularly when they deal with true events in history, um, you know, they're about kings and, you know, princes taking over and all this kind of stuff. And I think it just can get a little bit more difficult to um, fit you know, a female centric or like a female led kind of role, like the main role being female into a drama like that, because in those times, women just didn't have that kind of power and agency. Obviously, there's always exceptions and some did. But on the whole, you know, it was a lot harder for, you know, a woman to be, I don't know, riding around on a horse and like saving Joseph or whatever. Like, I know there are dramas like that, but I feel like there are less of them. Um, so I was really interested in this drama just to see what it would be like with, you know, a main female lead. But this is the weird thing, right? I 
did not like the casting. I did. I, I had a real thing about the female lead in this drama, the actress Jin Se-yeon. So Jin Se-yeon is an actress who I saw, I think I've only actually watched her in one drama many, many years ago called Gakshital, or also known as Bridal Mask. And that drama is set during the Japanese occupation of Korea. It is like a hidden identity, double secret spy thing going on with Juwon. It is, I loved it. It's super dark. Like it's very, very dark and it will kind of emotionally destroy you and keep you on the edge of your seat. But Jin Se-yeon played the female lead in that drama, Bridal Mask, and I loved her character, but for whatever reason, I just did not like her. I didn't like her as an actress, and I don't even, like now it's been so many years, it's like one of those things that you make this decision on, and then so many years pass that you actually forget why you made that decision in the first place, Um, and I have no idea, but it just becomes a thing that you believe to be true, and so when she was cast in this drama that I was interested in, I was like, meh, I'm less interested now, so because Liliana suggested it to me and was like, oh, you might enjoy this, um, and I was like, well, I'm on this kind of mission to watch at least one historical drama at any given time. Usually I'm watching like, you know, two or three dramas at a time and I want one to always be historical um, just because that's fun for me. Um, And so when she suggested it, I was like, cool, I'll give it a go. Um, And I had just come off the back of two historical dramas in a row. So that was Hechi, um, which I've, you know, done an episode on in on the podcast previously. And then um, The Crowned Clown, which I've also done an episode on previously. So those are very like dude centric kind of shows. Like there's a lot of dudes in those shows and there's like kind of one woman in each who has like a major role and they're very, very, very sidelined in both. And so I started watching this drama and I was like, eh, I don't think I really like Jin Seon, but I'll give it a go. And I put on Queen, Love and War, and sat down and it opens with her just being like, you know, not very true to the times. Like, I know it's not historically like accurate that she's running around and she's so sassy and cool. And like, she's, you know, a loud mouth and she talks back and she just gets away with the kind of behavior that you just, it wouldn't really have been very possible for a woman in Joseon times to do it. And I fucking loved it. I was all over it. I was like, she's so cool. I love her. (laughs) So, I really like her in this. Um, I thought she was great. I just, she was really sassy and fun, particularly at the start of the drama. I'll talk about more about like kind of her character, you know, kind of evolution, I suppose, to become a lot more demure um, towards the end. But particularly at the start, it was so fucking refreshing. It was exactly what I needed. And so that's why I say again, like some of the plot in this drama is bonkers and I think I just didn't care about any, I just enjoyed it because I think I was really in the mood for watching a historical, which I love, but watching one about a woman doing things and running around and being cool and, you know, being super sassy. And that's what Jin Seon is doing, particularly at the start of this drama. She's just so fucking cool. So immediately I changed my mind about her and I was like, why did I not like her? <laughs> and the cool thing about it is she's got a lot of other dramas, like a, a whole bunch of other like Saguk dramas and stuff. 
It's really interesting for me too. This is kind of a side tangent, but I think it was last year in 2019, um, another TV chosen drama came out starring Jin Seon called The Grand Prince. And it also stars Yoon Shi Yoon, who I totally love. And I think I gave it a go because of him. And I didn't, I just didn't like her. I didn't give her a chance. I was like, I hate her. And I think I just like, didn't really give that drama a proper chance. And so now I'm like, Ooh, I could go back and try that again now. I feel like I'm just, it just goes to show so much. Like, you know, you can have, you know, what I've got, a bloody Korean drama podcast. And I keep trying to say that it's a K-drama discussion, you know, that I'm discussing dramas and not reviewing them because I just feel like so hugely, so much of the way I react to dramas. And I'm sure the way all you guys react to dramas, it's so specifically personal how you're going to feel about things. And I know there'll be a lot of people who listen and like agree with some of the things I say. And there'll be a lot of people who listen and don't agree. And I think that that's really cool. I love that we all have such, you know, you're always going to bring your personal stuff along to any story that you consume. Um, And that's why I hope people can kind of like listen to me say stuff about a drama and be like oh I still think I'll give that a go even just say I didn't like it because I feel like personally I might not have those specific issues with the drama that say I did um so I don't know I just think that's really really interesting and I think it's interesting particularly when you can kind of look back and realize that you didn't give things a chance because of some sort of preconceived notion that you had and it's really hard to be open-minded anyway that was a huge tangent uh so I guess like for this overview one thing I will say is thank you Liliana for suggesting it to me um I've it's been amazing like starting this podcast I have so many wonderful people giving me cool k-drama suggestions or c-drama or Taiwanese drama suggestions and I love getting them um but it's obviously I can't watch all of them because there's so many now that get suggested to me so I kind of pick you know kind of depending on what I think where my personal taste lies or you know just what I'm feeling in the mood for Um, But I really, really appreciate everyone taking the time to suggest those dramas that have meant something to you. Um, I think that's really, really cool. And, you know, there's no way I would have watched this show if Liliana hadn't sort of said, no, give it a go. And I'm just so glad I did. Um, Again, like, I don't think it's like the top notch best thing ever, but I think it's fun and it's just so highly watchable um, and kind of exciting, just the plot. Um, So I guess I'll go into a tiny bit about the actors before I get on and start telling you guys about the setup. Um, so the actors, obviously the female lead is played by Jin Seon, who I've already talked about. I think she's great in this. I really, really enjoyed her and I, I guess I like her now. So there you go. <laughs> um, the male lead is played by an actor called Kim Min Kyu. So Kim Min Kyu is, I guess he's more of an up and coming guy. Like I've certainly seen his face in a few other dramas prior to watching this. And I guess I was a bit ambivalent, like either way, I wasn't particularly, you know, into him, but I guess I'd noticed him. Um, and the one thing I'll say about Kim Min Kyu is that he has some fucking mad dimples on him. Like he has the two biggest dimples I've ever seen. And when he smiles, he has mad dimples. And when he's angry, he has mad dimples. And when he like cries, he has has mad dimples and I liked that I like that about him <laughs> um I thought he was really good in this like I think this must be his first lead role um so I don't know I'm you know I always say I don't know much about acting I can kind of tell if I like something or I don't like something 
I thought he was good. Um, he has to play a king and I'm like, this is a personal taste thing again. I'm not so into kings in dramas because I feel like they always have to talk a very specific like kind of way and, you know, they have to be surrounded by eunuchs and courtiers and maids and they don't, they can't dress themselves and they have to like, they don't do anything, frankly. They're always like, if there's something like really important to be done, they're always like, hey, you right hand warrior man, you go do it. So, I mean, he has agency in the story, <laughs> but also every time there's something to do, he just tells someone else to do it. So like, that's just not so much my thing, but I thought that Kim min was very good. And also I really liked his dimples. <laughs> Um, so the second male lead is played by an actor I've never seen before, and the actor's name is Do Sung Woo. Do Sung Woo. Do Sung Woo. Um, so Do Sung Woo, I man, he grew on me in this show. Like he was one of my favorite characters, and he's definitely not a good guy by any means. He's a bad dude, but I was like weirdly obsessed. I just. I liked his character. I liked the whole plot line. I liked everything that was going on with him. He's fucking crazy by the end. But like, again, I was like, oh, I like it. I just liked all of it. Um, and he's, he's interesting as a character. I'm sorry, as an actor. Like at first I was like, eh, whatever. And, you know, I guess like this sounds so shallow, but I was like, oh, he's very tall, but like, you know, he's, he's okay looking, whatever. And then he just grew on me. And by the end, I'm like, this dude is handsome. He is cool. I like him. I want him to be in more shows, um, particularly more more like um, historical drama shows. I just, I liked him. I thought he was good. And I'll definitely get into a bit more about his character later. But the interesting thing is like, of course, when I, you know, get ready to record one of my podcasts about a show, like I might look up some of the actors and see what else they've been in. He hasn't really been in anything else. Um, although he's been around in drama land since forever. Like he was in, um, as a side character, I presume that I have no memory of um, a drama from like I don't know, fucking like 2011 or something called Flower Boy Ramyun Shop, which was really big at the time when I first started watching dramas. And he was in that. So he's, you know, I was like, oh, who's this fresh face? But, you know, he's been around for a long time. And this is, you know, I guess one of his bigger roles. I thought he was really good. Um, I thought he acted really well and I, I just really liked him. Um, also, I found out he was born the same year as me and is the same height as me, which I always think is so fucking funny. I watch these dramas and like in this drama, Do Sung Woo towers over everyone. I'm like, he's so fucking tall. Like he's so big and tall. He's literally the same height as me. But I mean, I'm really tall, <laughs> which, yeah, is okay. But, you know, <laughs> sometimes I wish I was a little bit daintier and smaller, but that's just life, isn't it? So anyway, I feel like Do Sung Woo and me are basically the same person since we're born in the same year and we're the same height, but there you go. <laughs> so the second female lead in this drama is played by an actress who I didn't really recognize. Like, I kind of thought, oh, I sort of recognize her face a little bit, but I couldn't place her. And when I kind of looked at her up, I, there's nothing really particular that I've seen that she was in. And the actress's name is Lee Yorum. Uh, so Lee Yorum. Yorum, I guess. Uh, it's a hard one for me to say. Um, I really, really liked her. I loved her character, like Trent, like her, the, the journey that her character goes on in this drama was like so cool. I think it kind of blindsided me. I didn't know where it was going. So it was really surprising. Um, I thought the actress was wonderful. She has this really great mix of like at the start, she's so innocent and sweet and cute and nice. Like I really liked her. And then when things start getting darker, which I did not see coming, um, 
I, I really enjoyed this whole transgression. She sort of becomes like a villain and I didn't see that at the start, but she's a very complex, multi-layered character, which I liked. And by the end, you know, she's really quite frightening, but also like in this, oh, like pitiful way where she feels like such a victim that she's lashing out so she's very unlikable by the end but I really thought the actress did a great job and the actress also has this like really I don't know I felt like her voice sounded a little bit different to me like she's just got some sort of cadence in there that was quite unique I don't know if it was a bit raspy or something but it just like stood out to me I really liked her I'd love to see her in other roles um doing other stuff like big stuff I thought she was really good um she's obviously extraordinarily beautiful um there's also in this drama a million faces that you will recognize from every other drama, including all those old dudes who are always in every drama playing, you know, the old dude ministers in Joseon set dramas. <laughs> so they're all in it. Um, and there's only one more, I think, actor who, again, don't know his face. Um, his name is Lee Xi'an, uh, and he plays a character called Wal, who's like just a friend of the female lead. And again, loved him. I thought he was so good. Um, so that's it for my kind of overview. I, yeah, I just thought it was really, really fun. I don't think it's like the most beautiful like drama I've seen. I don't think it's the most atmospheric. It didn't look like art on my screen. It just looked functional. Um, but it was fun. It was just fun. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the story set up now. Okay, so for the story setup, I'm not sure how like deep into that I'm going to get just because this show is so fast paced. It's like packed to the brim with plot, with just twists and turns. And there's just at any given point, there's like, you know, everyone's doing something different and is involved in some sort of different mystery or mission or whatever. Um, so it's very like kind of complex. It's not when you're watching it, everything totally makes sense and it just rolls, rolls along at a really nice pace so that there's always so much going on that you just can't conceivably get bored at any point which is why I think it was so easy for me to watch to the end I think sometimes towards the end of dramas you know might get a bit more like you're kind of pushing yourself because you just want to know but it's like you know it's all getting a bit much or a bit convoluted was this one I felt like I was just like no this is fun right to the end um so basically it starts with our main character played by Jin Seong uh Jin Seon and her character's name is Unbo uh, which is a lovely name, by the way. I really liked it, Umbo. Um, so Umbo is, she works for this like information broker dude on the streets of, I think it's Hanyang at this point. Um, so Seoul in Joseon Dynasty times. Um, so she works for this information broker and she's very cool and she's just like, you know, involved in, I don't know, going around and grabbing information. I don't know. It was cool. <laughs> I liked it. But we find out that, um, so she has her best friend is this dude, this older dude called Wal. And Wal, uh, he's called that because he doesn't know his real name and he's the owner of this kind of information agency, which is considered the best in Hanyang. And they like brother and sister. I fucking loved their relationship in this. Like it's very like kind of bickering sibling, but when it means something, they'd come through for each other. And while wouldn't always be like super nice when he'd come through for her, like he would kind of yell at her a bit and, you know, call her silly and stuff. But then he'd always come through for her. He'd always take care of her when she needed it. And 
I just loved this like really comfortable, easy relationship between them where it's like none of the normal kind of social barriers seem to matter. Like he was always like slapping her on the arm and like, you know, just calling her like silly names and never treating her like the way that I guess he should if she's like, you know, a young lady, particularly when he finds out like, you know, the truth of her birth and she rises up in in society and he still just treats her the same. I, it was very charming. So um, I really liked his character and I just loved them together as I just thought it was kind of refreshing refreshing their weird relationship that they had. It was really fun. Um, so meanwhile, right. So we have this young King, uh, King and really the drama opens. So this is Kim Min Kyu's character and he plays the King. I'm just going to call him the King, but his name is, um, Lee Kyung. Um, so the King we see is getting married and he's like on this procession through the streets of Han Yang. And he's like super happy because he's super in love with his new about to be wife. And then, um, some dudes turn up with guns and like fucking murder everybody. They shoot the King in the fucking head <laughs> and he totally dies. And I was like, this is weird. Is this a flashback? What the fuck's going on? Um, but it wasn't a flashback. And it turns out that the king and queen are now dead and everyone's like, oh, shit. So they start trying to search around. Is there someone else who can be the next king? And they find this like country bumpkin bonkers prince. Um, his name is, I'll just call him the prince. Um, so this is Do Sung Woo, the second male lead's character. And in the drama, his name is Ije Hua, but I'll just call him the prince. Um, so this prince is this bonkers like country bumpkin. And he's out in this tiny little like shithole hut in um, Jemupo, which is like, you know, one of the port cities. So he has like one of those mad like oceanside accents, like really pronounced, um, which I really, I just found him very charming. So anyway, like this big procession of people go out to his little shitty hut and they're like, Hey, you're going to be the next King. And he's like, with his bonkers accent, he's like, Oh, what? Like, this is crazy. And then they, you know, put him in a cart and bring him off to Han Young. But unfortunately for the prince, um, by the time he reaches Han Yang, the actual king has just like, he's just, he's fine. Like he got shot in the head and he's been dead for a few days, but he's just like, Fresh as a daisy, he's all good. I mean, he's a bit sick and now he has prophetic dreams. So he has dreams where he can see the future, but only surrounding one woman. And this woman is basically his dead queen. So we find out through like a bit of backstory that, of course, when the king was a young crown prince, little boy, whatever, he was off doing some shit in, I don't know, the countryside, in the streets. And he meets this very, very precocious little girl who, you know, they're the same age. And she is just very cool, um, very like kind of wild and sassy, even though she's clearly of noble birth. And they just have like a little adventure together. And obviously both of them fall madly in love, even though they're both like fucking 11 years old, but whatever. <laughs> so they have this mad connection as kids and he never finds out her name. He only knows her father's name who's this big eminent scholar guy and his teacher. Um, so we find out through like, you know, it takes ages to find all this stuff out. And this is just base, the basic setup um, that obviously that little precocious noble girl was Unbo, but she actually has an identical twin. But because of some mad prophecy that was like told that twins born in a certain year would change the world, no one is allowed to have twins. Anyone who does have twins, those twins are getting murdered all over the shop. So, um, um, Unbo's parents, um, her dad, 
this scholar guy has actually just pretended he only has one daughter. And every time he leaves the house with a daughter, he leaves with only one of the daughters. And only his best friend, this minister guy, knows the truth. So Unbo has grown up basically sharing one life with her sister until she's however old she is at this point, like 11 or whatever. And so they're trying to like leave the city because some terrible things happen with the dad and he's been ousted from, I don't know, society or some shit. I'm not sure. <laughs> and Unbo like through all these different circumstances, crawls in a little crate and then gets like flung out to sea and just disappears into the horizon. And obviously she loses her memory, gets picked up and looked after by this dude, Wal, who is her like older brother, you know, sort of pretend older brother who looks after her. And now she's the cool sassy street lady that we know. Um, and so she has no memory of her past. And meanwhile, her sister, Unki, who's her identical sister, also played by Jin Seon, obviously, um, has been involved in the selection. So this was super cool and interesting to me. So I didn't know much about how queens were chosen. Like I know they would come from the noble families in the cities or throughout the land. Um, so in this drama, they run a selection where they basically pick, say, something like 30 girls and then there's like – it's like a competition. There's all these different layers to it and eventually the queen gets picked depending on her answers and how she does in all these different tests, which is all like super fascinating. So anyway, Unki, you know, eventually the king sees her and he recognizes immediately – somehow <laughs> that it's this girl that he's been in love with since he was like 10 years old um, for some reason. Um, so he sees her and he makes sure that she gets picked as the queen. And he's like, oh, you remember that time we met when we were 10 years old? And she's like, no, I don't really remember that. And so, of course, she knows that oh, he must be in love with her sister, who she is sure is dead. Um, so she kind of just really likes the king. I think it's because he has these mad dimples on his face and she's like, I'm into this. So she agrees to get married and she's, he says that she's different. She's much more ladylike and demure than she used to be, but also she's whatever age she is now and not a 10 year old child. So, you know, he's like, that would account for her changing in those ways. And so he's super mad happy to be marrying her. Like he's so in love with her since he was 10. He's so happy. And then she gets shot in the stomach and just dies straight away um, in this big assassination attempt. Um, and then, of course, the king comes back to life. He's super angry. He wants to find out who killed his lady love. So he goes to the information brokers. And instead of seeing Wild there, he actually sees Unbo, but he doesn't see her face um, because obviously straight away he would recognize that it's the same face. And so meanwhile, Unbo has been going on all these like different missions and through all these different reasons, she has discovered the truth of who she is. She's found out that her sister married the king and is now dead and she finds her sister's body and it's super sad she finds out you know her dad and sees him again and then immediately he gets like basically there's a big crazy like political plot and he gets um executed for something that he sort of did commit but sort of didn't um and gets killed so she's just like goes through all this mad tragedy once she you know reclaims her name and her identity and it's it's like it is really sad because you like her, but it's not like, you know, you're going to be crying on the couch. I just more felt bad for her and was really excited to see, like, where is all this squeezing her? Like, what kind of person is she going to be? So she gets picked up by this minister. Um, so this is the minister that was really good friends with her dad when she was young. And he's the only person in Joseon who knows that there was twins. So he knows that Unbo is the dead queen's sister and has the same face. 
And so he decides to kind of like it's half manipulation and half not. And this is where things get really interesting in the plot, you know, like, but basically Umbo decides to take part in the next selection. So we've got Umbo kind of as part of this information agency sort of doing like some investigating for the king. And he's sort of like half meeting her, but, you know, there's a veil between them and all these like moments between them where he nearly sees her face and doesn't. And meanwhile, she's now pretending to be this other woman, Lady Hong, who's like, you know, an alias, someone else's identity that she's taken on. And she's going to take part in the selection to try and become the next queen because she thinks that's going to enable her to catch the culprit who tried to assassinate the king and ended up assassinating her sister. She wants to find out who that is and punish them. But of course, the minister who is organized for her to go into this selection has a totally different reason for her being there. And she is actually being placed there They're hoping that she'll win. And eventually at the end, they're trying to manipulate her into thinking that the king is the one who killed her father, is the one who, you know, killed her sister. Like it's all the king's fault. Um, And of course, when she starts meeting the king, she's like, he's super cute and has big dimples. And also we've been in love since we were 10. So she's like kind of on the fence. She's not sure who to believe. And then, um, but basically this minister just wants her to become the queen and then fucking murder the king because really the minister is working with your silly country bumpkin prince who is not such a silly country bumpkin prince after all which I just fucking loved all this like uh, is the word subterfuge like he's pretending to be this like village idiot guy but really he's like sharp and terrifying and I loved the scenes where he's like switching between um it, you know you kind of see beneath the surface like he'll forget to put on his accent or He'll try and throw someone off by dropping his accent and just suddenly speaking like the most intelligent, smart, scary man ever after like being a bumbling fool for ages. Like it was really fun. I loved all that stuff. So a lot of the drama, like there's all the setup stuff and then the drama really gets going when Unbo enters the Queen's selection. And obviously we get introduced to all these other women. Um, and I loved this. I'm, for one, I just loved that there were so many women main characters in a historical that was just really, really fun. Um, and I just loved like all the dynamics between all these young women who were trying to vie to be, you know, the next queen. Some of them really want it. Some of them don't really care either way. Some of them don't even know why they're really there. Um, and obviously you get introduced to, kind of two women, I think in particular, but I did really love all of it. I loved all that stuff. I loved the tests. I loved all the setbacks and everyone's out to like, um, to sabotage and bow. And she keeps having to try and, you know, get past all these different obstacles and it's super fun and interesting. Um, but I really liked you kind of get introduced to one of the girls who has been placed into the selection by, you know, her powerful family who, and everyone in her family, like they only care about you if they can use you. So there's no love between like her and her uncle who's placed her in, but she is just as ambitious and viperish as her uncle. Like she's very intelligent, scary, but she's also haughty and mean. She's the kind of person who's going to like slap around her personal maids and stuff. So straight away, you're like, here is the villain girl. This is the girl who, you know, Unbo is going to be up against. This is the main one. And we also get introduced to the second female lead. So that's played by the actress Iyorum. However you say her name, I don't know. Iyorum, I'm going to guess. Um, so in the drama, her name is Youngji or Youngji. Um, so Youngji is the one I was talking about before. So at first she's very sweet, you know, 
she's very lovely. She's been placed into the selection by her dad who adores her and she's been placed there because she is completely in love with the king. She took part in the last selection and got to the last two but didn't make it and she's been in love with the king since they played together as kids and he was like sort of a little bit nice to her or actually no I think he was never that nice to her but she liked him anyway. (laughs) I don't even know. Um, Anyway she's carrying a massive torch for him. It could be the dimples. I don't know. (laughs) That's probably what it is. (laughs) She doesn't seem to know him that well. Um I just really loved Yongji's whole thing in this drama because when she gets introduced, she's very sweet and nice and you like her. Like she takes part in a lot of these heartwarming moments with the other girls and Unbo. But there's also this part of her that is so bitterly jealous of Unbo because she's afraid of Unbo because Unbo has the same face as the dead queen for a star. But the king immediately begins paying Unbo special attention. Like he's like, why the fuck do you have the same face as this dead woman that I was in love with? What the fuck's going on? And Unbo's like, no, I'm not. I'm, you know, I'm Lady Hong. That's not me. And then eventually he gets her to confess that yes, she is the dead queen. So he's operating under the assumption that this is the woman he loves come back to life. And he's not like, that's fucking impossible because he got shot in the head and came back to life so you know why the fuck not <laughs> so you know obviously Yongji is like she's jealous and she's upset and she's desperate to to be by his side it's not about being queen for her it's not about power she wants him to love her and I think because of this there's this darkness around that emotion this you know, like pitiful, pitiful me, you know, victim complex where she's blaming Unbo and she starts to blame Unbo more and more and more every time the king rejects her. And I just thought it was such a complex, interesting, layered kind of character where I think there's moments where you feel sorry for her and moments where you really like her. And even when she's doing some really awful shit she still shows this level of vulnerability where I just thought it was so interesting I felt like I could really understand how she progressed from being this innocent young girl into being someone so spiteful and just vicious and awful and by the end of the drama she only has one goal in mind and it is to murder Unbo for what she perceives Unbo has done to her personally ruined her life sent her to hell like it's it, it sounds like such a crazy kind of progression, but it just feels so real. I feel like it was something that can happen to people. You know, they get so hooked on their perceived, the wrongs that have been done them and they blame everyone else except themselves and then become spiteful and bad. You know, I just, I really liked it. And I thought it was really particularly interesting in the drama because at the start, you're so sure that, you know, the kind of, evil caddy girl is going to be the main girl villain and it was really interesting that she isn't in fact it's the one that you expect less it's the one who's kind of has this almost tentative friendship with Unbo and becomes something very scary by the end so I just thought that was very interesting and I really liked it Um, So I guess plot wise, it is very interesting. Um, I probably won't go any further into it because like so much happens, but you know, there's Unbo eventually joins the royal family and she doesn't win the selection, but she becomes a concubine, which, you know, is kind of gross, but that's just the way things were back then. So apparently, and I didn't know this, but in the drama, they say that if you go through the selection and you get to the very end stage, you are kind of morally, you really shouldn't go off and get married. And 
there is always probably usually you end up being a concubine. So you might not be the queen whose child will presumably hopefully become the king, but you become the king's little, you know, side lady on the side. And you still have a lot of power as um, a consort, as a concubine in the palace. It's still a really like high up respected position, but it it's all pretty weird, like from, but that's from a modern perspective where you're like, if you get married, you just prefer to be the only wife involved in that. Or, you know, I guess not everyone's like that still, but um, personally, that's how I feel about that. So yeah, it was kind of weird, but I'm like, okay, that's just the way things were. Jason. Yep. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and then, you know, they're kind of trying to investigate this whole thing about who killed, um, who killed, who basically shot the king in the head and who killed the last queen. And basically every single minister has secrets and has an agenda and has plots and no one's particularly upstanding. And there's just so much going on, but it's all so interesting. And obviously it all culminates in the fact that this country bumpkin prince is not really a country bumpkin and he has very big plans. Um, and obviously he has, at the beginning of the drama, met Unbo randomly and completely fallen in love with her and then realized that she's actually the same woman that he has been using to murder the king. And he's very conflicted about it. And then he gets less and less conflicted and he gets into that whole mindset of like, if I can't have you, no one can. I'm going to murder you and everybody else. And I was like, I don't know why. I like this. It's really interesting. <laughs> I thought it was really fun. Um, so that's all I'm going to say on the setup. But my gosh, it's such like a just action-packed like so packed with stuff and like I feel like I've just given this really broad overview and I could never even hope to touch on the minutiae of a plot like this it was so much fun and just insane like bonkers but good fun (laughs) okay so here is the stuff I loved um a lot of it I've already covered so I won't do it again but The first thing I've got on my list is literally the plot. I think that's what did it for me. I've already talked at length about how much I just liked it. So that's all I'll say. So the other thing on the list that I loved was Unbo at the start, particularly. Um, I was just in the mood for a sassy girl main character with a lot of agency who was driving the plot, who was making decisions, who was being cool. And she gave me everything that I wanted. It was really, really fun. Um, And I will talk about this a little bit later, but I do think that her character changes a lot. I get that it's necessary for the situation and the plot, but like, I loved him more at the start. Um, the other thing I loved was the prince. Um, I just like, I was so into it. I don't know. And he just grew on me more and more. And I was just, I just really liked him. I don't know why. Cause he's, he's a bad dude. Like he's a bad murderous dude, but I, I just felt like the same as the second female lead. He felt complex. He felt like there was things going on that he, you know, he's kind of warring between himself with, you know, does he want does he want to be king because he wants to change the world and and create this enlightenment new framework that's better for the people? Or, you know, what is he willing then to sacrifice in terms of his morals to be the king? And therefore, is he still really doing it to save the people and make a new world? Or if he's sacrificing all these morals and say, joining hands with people whose ideologies he doesn't agree with, then is he not just as bad as everyone else? Like, so he's wrestling with these things and he just gets 
you know, and wrestling with the idea that Unbo is the woman he loves and yet he's using her for his goals and more and more he purposely puts her into danger to get what he wants. So it's like he just becomes a monster and it's not really what he wants to be at the start. He's much more, he's scary, but he's idealistic about at least what he thinks he's doing, his grand, you know, grand scheme he thinks is a good thing. He thinks he's morally right. And by the end, I think even he knows that he's a he's totally fucked um so I really liked that I liked all of it and one of my absolute favorite scenes in the whole drama (laughs) weirdly is this scene where the prince is always like bumbling around with his like mad like oceanside accent or whatever it is um and he kind of bumbles his way into the palace to go and see um Unbo at some point and by this point he's kind of being a little bit more on the scary side so he's revealed his scariness to Unbo and he's manipulating her and forcing her to like murder the king which is like pretty full on because by this point she's completely in love with the king and his dimples and doesn't really want to do that and so the prince is like bumbling away from her through the palace and he, he walks into this minister who's this minister that knows him as this kind of village idiot from Jemilpo and absolutely not a political player and not anyone to worry about. And the prince kind of like bumbles at this guy a little bit. And then suddenly he just like drops the act and his accent changes and he smiles like this really scary, sharp smile at the minister and says these things. And the minister's like, he's just speechless. Like he's, you know, he has this idea of who this man is, which is an idiot. And suddenly the act just gets dropped and he's like, whoa, like this guy is a scary guy. And I had no idea. Like he clearly is doing something he's here for a reason and he's pulling strings and I was like oh that's so cool frankly I could watch a whole drama just about that like you know that secret identity double hidden I just love it I'm so into it really reminds me of like Kind of, um, I really loved a drama quite a few years ago called Joseon Gunman, which starred Lee Jun Ki. And that whole setup of that drama is the idea that he was this nice, you know, young dude who gets, um, everyone thinks he's dead. He gets murdered. His family gets like turned into traitors. And then like, whatever it is, five years later, whatever, he turns back up. And now he's this scary razor sharp dude who's pretending to be somebody else and he can never drop the act. But I thought this particular one that the prince does is really interesting, like, Um, He, instead of just pretending to be someone else, he's just pretending to be not a threat. And I loved the moments where you kind of see beneath this like silly mask that he's wearing. I thought it was really cool. The other interesting thing about the prince is when he and Unbo first meet and you just presume that he really is just the second male lead and he's going to be in love with her. um, It's charming. Like I was really like, I was kind of like, oh no, I think I might ship these guys together. Like they were really cute and their whole meet cute was really nice. And he's always like saving her when she's getting like chased by thugs and things on the street. He's always helping her. And I loved it. I was like really in danger of shipping the wrong couple, except that he turns so fucking evil by the end that you just couldn't like in a million years hope that she ends up with such a lunatic. (laughs) But it was good. I really liked him. Uh, so the next thing on my list that I loved was Wal. Um, so that's um, Unbo, the main female lead. Unbo's just good mate. I loved their relationship the whole way through. I found it really refreshing and just 
different. I don't know. And I just loved the way that even when she's um, been promoted to this high up position in the royal court and everyone's like, you know, has to bow to her and he'll kind of forget himself and he'll talk down to her and he'll call her by her name and he'll like slap her on the arm when he makes a joke. And all the people around are just like, <gasps> like, don't do that. It was just very funny. I really enjoyed it. So the next on my list was the baddie girl. So this is Yongji, the second female lead. I've already talked at length about her, but I really enjoyed her. Um, another thing I really loved about the show was the complexity of who was good and who was bad. So I found it really interesting. And this is kind of to do with the wider plot. Um, so it's a bit hard to explain because there's so many characters doing so many different things. Um, but I really liked that there's a whole bunch of different ministers. And usually in dramas, you have a good minister and you have a bad minister. And in this one, there's sort of three. And little by little, you realize that they're all not very good and they've all got completely different agendas at odd to at odds to each other and at odds to the king and that was just really interesting um the other thing is the one minister who you kind of presume is going to be the good guy and he's um you know the friend of the main character unbo's dad from way back in the day and the only one who knows that unbo is an identical twin so you just presume that he is nice because he's trying to look after her and stuff and he and the prince are trying to take over from the current king because clearly they think the king isn't doing a good job based on this book that Umbo's actual own dad wrote called, I don't know, The Theory of Enlightenment or something, which is about basically that the people should be able to govern themselves, that they shouldn't you know, that a king shouldn't have this kind of control. Like they want to remake the world in a way that they believe is more morally correct and ethical and better for the people, which, you know, from a modern perspective, you're like – yeah, that does sound good. And so it's kind of weird because you're like, well, why don't they think they can make this new fresh world with the king? What's wrong with the king? What governing has he been doing that's so bad that they feel like they need to stage a coup to take over? So this minister is bad because he's trying to, you know, dethrone our main character, our hero. But he's good because he's got this this idea of his ideology that he's trying to bring in is something that's going to benefit the people, that's going to make the world a better place, apparently. But then he's bad because he's willing to sacrifice his old dead best friend's you know, daughter for his cause, like totally using her up to get what he wants. So it's just like really interesting. Um, I don't know. I really liked it. It was complex. And it's just one of those things where you, you just never quite know where you stand in terms of like who you should be like other than Unbo and the king who you're like, yes, I should be rooting for you guys. You guys are good guys. Everyone else was just like a, oh, a mix of everything. And I liked it. Um, so I think the last thing on my list of stuff I loved was this henchman. Um, so he was just like the tiniest side character, but the kind of second female lead who's mean, Yongji, um, you know, there's this henchman of her dad, who's a bad dude, who's going around murdering everybody, like everything that his master asks him to do, basically he goes and does. And you're like, does that make him a bad dude? Because, you know, if he's a slave, and he belongs to this guy, all he's doing in his eyes is the right thing. He's doing everything his master tells him to do. So again, I find this really interesting. I'm like, he's bad, but also like for the times, I guess he's not really doing anything wrong. He's doing what he's meant to be doing. But you find out that the reason that 
he's so loyal and does anything this old minister asks is because he's completely in love with Yongji since he was a kid. And obviously the way that I am, I'm like, oh, doomed romance, tragedy. Like I was into it because he's like, you know, a like slave assassin and he's in love with this beautiful, young, high up noble woman that he can never have. And of course that goes nowhere. But I was like, I love it just because I'm a romantic at heart or something. I don't know. It's such a it's like small side thing, but I just really liked it because that's the way that I am. Um, so there's heaps of other things I love, but I think um, I'll stop there and get into just a very short list of stuff that I didn't love as much. Okay, so I wouldn't really even want to say that it was stuff I didn't love just because I really enjoyed the drama. I just had fun with it. So it's this is kind of just stuff that I noticed. Um, so one of the things was I really liked the romance between the mate, like the leads and Bo and the king. Like it's very sweet. It's nice. I love that there's the whole secret identity thing and him, you know, feeling very hurt when he finds out the truth, which was all very moving. And so I really liked it. But for me personally, I don't feel as swoony about king romances. Like it's so weird, but no matter how many dramas I watch where the main male lead is a king, I just, there's too many eunuchs following him around. He never does anything for himself. Well, he does at the end of this drama, which was pretty cool. So she, like he's involved in a fight scene. And I was like, yeah, um, but it's just not so much for me. Like when there's 20 courtiers following him around every move he makes and like dressing him and, you know, presumably bathing him and feeding him and brushing his hair. And I'm just like, meh, I don't know. <laughs> I like a man who does like his own stuff stuff for himself. <laughs> so I know that the king is very busy, like looking after his country and, and being awesome and stuff, but it's just, it's not like my thing. Um, but that is just completely personal. I know. Um, and in saying that, I still really liked the romance. Like I just found it very sweet, but because of probably my the way I am about King characters, um, I didn't find it like heart pounding, heart swoony, just because it's not so much my thing. And you can see like from the beginning of this drama, like when she meets the prince who's running around on the streets and like planning to do something, I was immediately like, oh, I'm going to ship them just because that's more more interesting to me, I suppose, um, in my personal taste. Um, so yeah, that's all I'll say on that. Cause I, <laughs> that's not really even a criticism of the drama by any means. That's just myself. Um, so one, one thing I didn't like, and this is so small, but it like, I just didn't like it. So at the very start, um, Wal, who is Unbo's best mate and the owner of the information agency, like, obviously you want to get information in a city, you go to the Gibang, so the Gisang house, and you talk to the Gisang and you pay them and they'll tell you all the rumors and stuff and conversations that they've heard or whatever. So Wal always goes there to kind of get new jobs and to hear about, you know, new things that he can do or just gather information. And at the very beginning of the drama, Wal has a very particular Gisang there that he's obviously like obviously hooking up with. It's his favorite Gisang, but also like his sort of information person. And because there's a plot thing and stuff happens, she gets totally murdered really quickly. She's barely a character. Like she's the most side side character ever, but she gets murdered and just disappears, like completely disappears. And obviously no one cares because no one really knew her. Like none of the other characters ever went near her. But while even is just like, oh yeah, so where's what's it? And oh, so what's it disappeared? Cool. Like, I guess she must be dead. And then 
no one ever fucking mentions it again. And at the end of the drama, he's just back, like, visiting the Gisang house again with a different Gisang on his arm. And I was just like, oh, I have this thing, and I've had it with so many different dramas, with just the way that Gisang, I just find it so sad, you know? Like, this poor girl, like, just because, I guess... You know, I know she's like a highly trained artisan. I know that she is, you know, probably more educated and can do all like, you know, I know it's not literally just prostitution, like there's other elements to being a gisang, but it's obviously part of it. And I hate that whole like fallen woman thing isn't worth like even mourning. <laughs> it makes me so sad, uh, which is basically why I ended up writing like the, the first three books in my promise series, like well, the first one's out now and the second one's about to come out. But you know, about Gisang and the idea that just because they're Gisang doesn't mean they, they can't be the main characters in their own stories and have their own love stories and have their own happy endings. Um, and I just feel so like weirdly passionate about it. I was like, oh, well, I really, like, I really love Well in this drama. And the only thing I didn't love about him was the way he didn't care when he's like, Gisang girlfriend got murdered. It's like, dude, come on, jeez. So anyway, it just reminds me of like so many other dramas I've seen where the Gisang character always just dies in these horrific ways, and no one ever gives a shit because they're like some fallen woman Gisang. Anyway, I know that's not all dramas, and I, I know that's totally not true. But there you go. That was my reaction to that. Um, See, so only other thing, and this isn't something I didn't like, it's just something I thought was bloody weird. So the, the drama operates off the idea that there is this prosperity prophecy yes prophecy uh, which Unbo and her sister are part of which is this you know twins are bad twins are going to change the world and the prophecy literally says twins that are born in the year 1895 will change the world so I was like it's so weird because I feel like this drama in terms of history it clearly takes place outside of history like outside of you know actual real Korean history this not nothing in this drama actually happened obviously and there's you know there's prophetic dreams and there's people coming back from the dead and stuff so there's an element of fantasy in there which is fine I don't mind those elements at all but I just thought it was so weird to date Unbo's birth to 1895 to know that if she's like I mean she must be to, supposed to be in the drama at least 20 then that would bring her into you know the 1900s and of course we know the Joseon dynasty was no longer around and certainly weren't like doing selections and things in the early 1900s because they were being occupied and all sorts of awful stuff was happening. So I just thought it was really interesting, like why they bothered to put that one single date in there, because that was weird. It was just weird to me because at first I was like, oh, they've dated it. This must be real. Like, I mean, who is this king? And I'm like, mm, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not sure. Anyway, that was just my weird reaction. But Really, that brings me to the end um, of everything I've got to say about Queen, Love and War, or also known as Selection, The War Between Women. So the drama is 16 episodes long and finished airing in early 2020. Um, is it worth your time? Yeah, I think so. I think if you like historicals, it's a good fun one. Um, like I said, it's not the most beautiful. It's not the most smartest. It's just fun and fast paced. And the plot is great fun and insane. Also, Jin Se-yoon is just Jin Se-yoon. Yon, yeah. She's really good. I really liked her in it. So, um, yeah, thank you for listening to me waffle about um, Queen Love and War for quite a long time. <laughs> Now it is time for my random thing of the week, and it is 
history, of course. <laughs> so um, just watching that drama about the selection and that was one of my favorite things about the show was really just seeing those women kind of have to go through all those tests and like the different competitions. It was just really interesting seeing them do that. Um, and it got me interested in what that was really like in the Joseon dynasty. Um, it's not something that I know about, but I did find an interesting article about the selection process for a new queen. So I'm just going to read out a small section of it, just in case you guys find it interesting too. Becoming queen was not an easy task, but hard-earned and rigorous. The nomination process involved three strict stages that teenage girls from noble families selected across the country had to pass to first become the crown princess. When the process to choose a crown princess was announced, all teenage girls from noble families were forbidden to marry during the listing period. Each province had to submit a list of young women of noble families with both living parents. A total of 30 candidates were selected from the list, who then faced three strict steps before having the chance to be named the final crown princess. So I think the article is saying crown princess instead of queen because usually um, by the time a crown prince became king, he would already be married. So this is usually would be like a selection to marry the crown prince who would one day become king. So the woman who was selected was called to live in a separate royal residence immediately. She encountered a pile of books and perhaps a female teacher in order to learn the royal customs and manners before she officially wed a prince. Um, she was also promoted to a position paralleling that of the king before the wedding. So I don't know, I just found it really interesting, you know, this idea of a selection process and stages and tests. Um, it's pretty fascinating stuff. Um, but that's all I'll say. That is my random thing of the week. Now it's time for my something I'm loving this week section and I've got a cheesy one for you today but it's true um this week I've been thinking a lot about my lovely family and the lovely people in my life that I really care about and I think it's just that thing where sometimes you don't want to get into a stage where you do take for granted the relationships you have and the people around you like whether that's friends or family or whatever it is like it's nice you know it's nice having people that you love who love you back and I think that that's such a cool thing and I don't think it's a small thing so I think I've just been feeling like I know it sounds so cheesy but I have been feeling really grateful for it this week and just really lucky to to love and be loved I think as cheesy as that sounds oh my gosh <laughs> So that brings me to the part of the show where I say a huge thank you to all those people who have chosen to support me on Patreon. Um, I know things around the world are very tough at the moment, so it really, really means a lot to me and I really, really appreciate everyone's support. Thank you so very much, patrons. Um, this week is a very, very special shout out to two new patrons. So that is Lizzie and Michelle. Um, thank you guys so, so much um, for, I don't know, joining my 
Patreon party? Is that a thing that I should say? <laughs> Probably not. Um, so anyway, huge thank you to Lizzie and Michelle. Um, I appreciate your support on Patreon so very much. Thank you guys. Um, also, I guess just a big shout out and thank you to everyone else who has emailed and messaged me and Instagrammed me over the last week. I really, really appreciate it. Um, it's so nice to hear that people are enjoying this show. And also it's so nice to hear your tips for K-dramas and dramas that I should watch. Um, I really, really appreciate it, even if sometimes I'm a little bit slow in answering just because, you know, life gets so busy and I get a few messages these days. Um, but please know that I'm reading everything and I super, super appreciate it. So thank you all very, very much. Mm -hmm.